0: So if you turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 4, we're going to pick up where we left off last week. So we'll begin in verse 21. Last week we looked at the parable of the sower, and uh, this week we're going to continue that. I want to let the men know that on the 19th of March, we're going to be having a men's breakaway So it's with all the Calvary Chapel Association churches in the uh, northwest here. And it will be held at Calvary South. So uh, it will be there. It's quite a distance. Um, Jim was suggesting uh, he could drive a bus. So he's going to look into maybe chartering a bus. And that would be nice, wouldn't it? Have one driver and the rest of us could chat and all but anyway, so mark your calendars for that. That's going to be a fun time. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for worship, Lord. I, I It would be, personally for me, it would be so boring, it would be lacking to just simply stand up and teach. And it's so important for me, Lord, I, I know to, to come and to pray and to worship you in song and and really to get my, my focus, my attention fixed on you. Not on anything else, but just on you. And I feel so much more equipped to share your word. And I pray, Lord, that all of us would feel that way. We're not necessarily sharing the word, but we are receiving the word. And pray that we would understand the importance of worship. We're going to spend all eternity uh, worshiping you, Lord. We're going to be joining that heavenly host that never ceases to worship you. And so we just pray that we would learn uh, to worship you even now. So teach us, we pray. In Jesus' name we ask. Amen. Verse 21. And he said to them, that them, of course, was the disciples, Is a lamp brought to be put under a basket or under a bed? Is it not to be set on a lampstand? For there is nothing hidden which will not be revealed, nor has anything been kept secret, but it should be brought to light or come to light. I believe this is a key verse here, verse 23. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Then he said to them, Take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to measured to you. Excuse me, I keep adding words here. And to you who hear... Uh, more will be given. For whoever has to him, more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken away from him. Last week, if you were with us, you know that we looked at that that first parable. I say first parable because really it, it seems to be, you know, chronologically, the first parable that Jesus used. He gave that parable, the parable of the sower, and then he did something that he doesn't do uh, in the, with the other parables. He explained it. And um, in fact, he made the statement of how it's important to understand that parable in order to understand all parables. And so, as I mentioned last week, the parable of the sower would surely be the blueprint to understanding the parables of Jesus. And so we stopped last week in verse 20, but Jesus didn't stop. Now, he's alone. He's not with the multitude any longer. He's alone with his disciples. He has told them, because they've asked him the question, you know, maybe they said, you know, Jesus, what are these parables? What do you mean by these parables? Or what is is that parable that you just spoke to us? What does it mean? And so he explained the purpose for parables, quoting from Isaiah. And then he went on to explain the parable, to give insight to the parable And so if you were with us last week, or you're familiar with the text, you know that the seed in the parable is the Word. The soil in the parable is the heart. It speaks of the heart, where the seed of the Word is sown. And as we saw last week, there would be some uh, hard hearts, some shallow hearts, some crowded hearts, but then there would also be some fruitful hearts. And so... He gives us this insight. Now this is important. Listen, if you share the gospel, you want to know these things, don't you? You want to know that, you know, I'm I'm sharing the gospel with people, and sometimes, sometimes the seed of the word is just going to fall on hard hearts. They're just not going to receive it. It's not going to resonate with them. It's not of interest to them. It's just going to go nowhere. But others, you know, they may hear the word, receive it with gladness, you know, they're quick, but there's there's a shallowness to their understanding and their faith, and so they don't last very long. And and still others, you know, the, the word of God will be choked out when difficulties or, or even the pleasures of life come. It could be one or the other that can choke out, you know, the word of God. And so... Jesus, he continues on, and and he, he says, "Is a lamp to be brought, uh, to be put under a basket or under a bed?" So, we have to we have to think about this for a moment. First of all, we don't put lamps under a basket or a bed. I remember some of my teenage daughters. I won't mention who. Um, some of them, um, I think, all of them at one time or another for the. Uh, bedroom atmosphere or whatever, would put something over the lamp so it wasn't as bright, you know. And, of course, I would come in. This was before LED bulbs, and I was f- afraid that they were going to start the house on fire, and so I'd pull that thing off of there, you know. But, but when we think of a lamp, we think of an electrical lamp. We have many lamps in our houses, and um, we think of that, you know, flip the switch or go over and pull the chain or whatever it is, and it illuminates light. But... The lamp at that time, in biblical times, was really just a jar. It was just a a, a bowl, and it had oil in it. It would have olive oil in it, and then there was a wick that was stuck in the olive oil, and they would light that wick. So when you're thinking of that, you're thinking, boy, that probably didn't give give off much light, and it probably didn't. In fact, I kind of picture the homes at that time. Many of them, no doubt, were built out of stone. I picture them kind of being dark and, you know, soot from the oil, you know, lamps burning in the house and not a lot of visibility. But I'll tell you, if you were in the home with somebody and you needed to share a lamp, you wouldn't hide that lamp. You wouldn't put it someplace where it was useless. You would bring it out. You would put it on a lampstand. The higher it is, you know, in the room, it's going gonna, it's gonna to cast off more light. And so is true with the Word of God the Word of God. Um, we're like these old biblical lampstands. We're more like an old biblical lamp than we are a modern day lamp. Because modern day, you don't just flip a switch, you know, spiritually speaking. But like the old lamps, the biblical lamps, they needed to be filled before they could illuminate. And we need to be filled before we could cast light, before we can illuminate, before we're really of any good for the kingdom of God. And so it's important for us to receive the Spirit of God. We receive the Spirit of God by placing our faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ. The Spirit of God comes in, takes up residence within us. But then we need the Word of God. So the Word of God, as we're hearing it, as we're taking it in, we take it in to keep it to ourselves? No, to share it with others. Guys, I think this is where our faith, this is where Christianity begins to break down. When we're not doing what the Lord has called us to do, something as precious as our relationship with the Lord can become dull, could become boring, could become a task, rather than a life in that more abundantly. And, and, and really, you know, the Lord is not to blame. We're to blame if we're not taking to heart the things that he says to us. Jim, could we turn that heat all the way down? I hear it kicking on again, and, and I don't want to lose these precious folks. <laughs> through naps. Anyway. Jesus makes the statement, you know, nothing hidden or concealed or private You say, well, what was he speaking about there? I think he was speaking about what he said, we saw last week in our text, in verse 11. Look at it, verse 11 there. To you it has been given to know the mystery, the mystery, yes, the hidden truth of the kingdom of God. But to those who are outside, all things come in parables. So Jesus says, listen... I'm revealing to you, I'm giving you understanding on the parable, this parable of the sower, so that you might understand how to interpret the other parables that I'm going to share with you. But I'm giving you this insight, not not so you could be like the Gnostics, you know, with this hidden spiritual truth that no one has but a few, you know. No, but that you would take that truth, the truth of my word, and you would illuminate it, you would share it with other people. And so, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. I said, I I believe that's a key verse. It is a key verse in the text because we find this word hear, H-E-A-R, 13 times in this chapter alone. So obviously Jesus is emphasizing the importance of hearing. He says, again, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear hear and then the next verse he says then he said to them take heed what you hear so do you have an ear to hear yes lord we have an ear to hear okay take heed what you hear now luke he tells us in his gospel account that Jesus, and I don't know if it was on the same occasion, I think it was the same occasion, that that Luke records the words of Jesus as saying, therefore take heed how you hear. So which is it? Is it what you hear or how you hear? And I think it's both. I mentioned last week, I kind of presented a question, it was kind of a tongue-in-cheek question that I presented to you, when I asked you, so are we victims of the you know the, the soil of our heart are we victims of the condition of our own heart and i suggested that we're not victims but that we're responsible and i think that we see that repeated really that emphasis upon our own responsibility we need to take heed the word take heed it literally you know what it means it means to look it implies more intent so it's not just hearing because we hear a lot of things, you know. Um, husbands and wives are always dealing with this, aren't we? Usually it's a wife saying to the husband, Did you not hear me when I said, Yes, I heard you. Well, you act like you didn't even hear the conversation, you know. And we're hearing, but we're not really intent. We're not really taking it in. We're not really taking these things to heart many times. It implies an earnest contemplation. So when Jesus says, take heed, he says, not just look, not just listen, but he's saying, I want you to have an earnest contemplation. I want you to consider the things that are being spoken here. Now, guys, they didn't know, but Jesus knew. That Jesus would be gone. And it was all up to them. Everything that they were taught by Jesus, they in turn would go out And they would preach the things that Jesus preached. They would teach the things that Jesus taught. I like to point this out because I think many times we we miss it. The apostles didn't teach anything new. Everything they taught they received from the Lord. There was no fresh revelation for them. They were taking the things that they heard from the Lord. If there was any fresh revelation, it was for the apostle Paul. Because, of course, Paul was not one of the twelve, and and he was with the Lord. And, and he tells us in Galatians that that apparently the Lord had taught him, had given him the gospel, had trained him in, in the gospel and, and, and the word of God and his understanding. That he didn't receive it. Remember, he said, I didn't receive it from any man. I didn't go up to Jerusalem to get it from them, but I received it from the Lord. So that would be a, a, a revelation. But again, it was simply receiving the things that the others had already received under the teaching of Jesus. And so, take heed what you hear, take heed how you hear. I think this goes back to the parable of the sower. What you hear, how you hear, if we hear. If we hear with a hard heart, or a shallow heart, or a crowded heart, we'll have the same results referring to last week which really were no results at all no growth no change no spiritual fruit but if we hear with an open soft and receptive heart we will bear spiritual fruit now guys if you have been walking with Jesus for any amount of time and you've spent time in the gospels you know that the Lord is very much concerned about spiritual fruit isn't he he says, "If you abide in me, and my word abides in you, and you know so on, you'll bear fruit, and much fruit, and more fruit." And he wants us to bear fruit. I mean, this is important to him. And and fruit, you know, in other teachings of Jesus, fruit is really the evidence of what we are. Uh, if you don't have the right fruit, I mean, if you have thorns and you know th- th- things coming from your life, well. He would say, you know, you're in the other category. It's like the, the scribes and the Pharisees. This is the fruit that they have. But if you have the spiritual fruit, then that's proof that you're, you're, you're truly one of my disciples. You're my, my children. So he says, take heed what you hear. With the same measure you use, it will be measured to you. There's a momentum to hearing and receiving the word of God. Listen, maybe you're young in your faith, and, and you come, and you have friends that have been walking with Jesus for a longer time, and you envy their knowledge of the Scriptures. I'll tell you, if you're going to envy something, that's not a bad thing to envy. Um, I remember as a young Christian, I envied you know others that have been walking with the Lord. You know, I'm just green. I'm just starting out. It it was like you know the most frightening time during a service is when the pastor would say "turn to. and I would usually have a finger you know so I could turn and, and see where that where it begins. Where does that book begin? You know, what page number is it? Because I just didn't know those things, and of course, how would I know those things? Those things aren't automatic. Upon being born again, all of a sudden we have a perfect knowledge of the, of the Bible. But you know what it's like? This is why I always encourage people in this electronic world that we live in. Get rid of your phone. Get rid of your electronic device. Get a paper Bible. Spend money on it. Get a nice leather Bible with nice pages. A nice layout. You know, I, I am a connoisseur of Bibles. And uh, they don't make the Bible that I like anymore. It's this Bible. And um, I love this Bible. I love the layout of this Bible. The only thing, the only problem I have now is that the older I get, uh, the the print's a little bit smaller for me. But I I keep trying other Bibles, but they're just not the same. I I love this Bible. But there's something about knowing your own Bible. You know it. Turn to, and your hand just kind of goes there. You go, that's cool. (laughs) And it's because you're familiar with the word of God. You're in the word of God. You're reading the word of God. You're receiving the word of God. There's a momentum that comes to hearing and receiving the word of God. When we develop a discipline of hearing and heeding the word of God, living the word of God, applying the word of God, more is given. Think of that. You say, well, I don't like that. That sounds like the the haves and the have-nots. Well, it is. But you know, you can be in the haves group. You just simply have to heed what you hear. You need to take interest in what you hear. You need to contemplate what you hear. You need to say, this is important to me. These are the words of Jesus, or this is the Holy Scripture, and so I want to apply these things to my life. I want to live according to the Scriptures, you know. And as you do that, you'll see that more is added. Sometimes, you know, you may surprise yourself by what you know. So often we're discouraged by what we don't know. But sometimes you're encouraged by what you do know. And you say, oh, wow, I, didn't even, I didn't even think I knew that, you know. And, and you knew it. And, and I love it when I am reading the scriptures And, uh, you know, my memory is not as good as as it used to be. But I will be thinking of a scripture. And and it's not a game that I play. But I just love to say, Lord, would you direct me to that scripture? You know which one I'm talking about, Lord. And And I'll maybe paraphrase it or something. And there's many times... Where, uh, maybe not in that moment, but maybe, you know, as I'm reading along, it will come to mind, I'll go, oh, and I'll turn to and I'll go, thank you, Lord. Because, I see, you say, well, that's weird. No, it's not weird. Listen, uh, (laughs) this is His Word. He is alive. He is God. He is sovereign. He is outside of time. Why shouldn't we expect Him to take His Word? I mean, He wants us to know His Word. And He knows that the Word is the means by which we bear fruit, so he wants that to happen. So why would he keep us from that? And I think that the Lord wants to encourage us in his word. You might say, well, Dan, I, I wish I was there, but I'm at that point where I read the word. I don't remember what I read. I don't know what it is about the Bible, but I read a paragraph. I read a chapter or whatever. I read it. It seems like it's speaking to me at the, at the moment. I, I shut the Bible, and I forgot everything I read. I can't remember anything about it. Well, because it's a spiritual book. And as much as the Lord wants you to glean from it, be in it, apply it to your life, hear it and heed it, there's an enemy who wants to distract us. It's kind of like prayer, you know. All day long, the phone hasn't rung. I, it cracks me up. here, Even here at the church, you know, we have the a landline that sometimes works. So if you call, I'm, I'm sorry if I don't answer the phone. I am here usually, but... Um, The landline. If it rains, we lose line one. You know, but anyway, um, we are we are state of the art here. (laughs) (laughs) But it's interesting how you know you say, "Well, I'm going to just now spend some time in prayer," and you start praying, and the phone starts ringing. And we're responsible people, aren't we? We say, I better answer that phone. It might be an emergency, you know. And and we get on the phone, and we're chatting with somebody, and then we realize it's a salesperson or something, and we've been distracted from our, you know, and you hang up. And now, okay, Lord, help me to get back into this. I think it's the enemy a lot of times. He's just kind of throwing curveballs at us, you know, know, seeing if we'll (laughs) bite, you know. Anyway, Jesus... He says, to those who have, more will be given. Whoever has to him, more will be given. But whoever does not have, even what he has, will be taken away from him. You say, well, that doesn't sound fair. Why would you take something away? Because it's of no interest. It's like like throwing pearls before swine. You know. Honey, come on, let's go out to the, to the you know the pig, the pigs out there, and t- t- let, let them wear your your pearls today. You know that they, they look so cute with the pearls. Who would do such a thing? They don't appreciate such things. Not that my wife has pearls. I'm joking. She doesn't have pearls. You don't have pearls, do you? No. Anyway. <laughs> Twenty six. He said the kingdom of God is if a man should. Scatter seed. So there we have seed again. On the ground. And should sleep by night. And rise by day. And the seed should sprout and grow. He himself does not know how. For the earth yields crop by itself. First the blade. Then the head. And after that the full grain. In the head. And when the grain ripens. uh, Immediately. He puts in the sickle. Because the harvest has come. Now. This is how I would like to see this. I'm playing with you a little bit, but this is how I'd like to interpret this um, parable. Not that it's up to our own personal interpretation. So I'm playing with you a bit. But I would like to say, well, yes, the seed. The seed is the word. The seed of the word is sown in the soil. Uh, Some are going to believe. There's going to be that number. When that last person places their faith in Christ, the Lord puts in the sickle and the harvest has come. The rapture has taken place. That's, that's how I'd like to see it. And maybe there's some truth to that. But I think that the purpose of the parable here, again he's speaking of the kingdom of God, he's liking it to something that they might understand, is that the farmer does what he or she can do what do they what do they do they sow the seed they can't do what only god could do cause it to grow now you can get into the you know science of the whole thing and say well actually you know da, 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 da. L- listen when jesus was speaking to these men these men understood when you sow a crop of whatever your, your seed you're sowing, you do your part, and then God has to do his part. If God doesn't do his part, your part bears no fruit. There's, there's no lasting purpose for the thing you did. And so the farmer, you know, when the farmer takes his seed, her seed, and they sow their seed in the soil... In essence, they are partnering with God. So I'll do what I could do. Lord, I'm dependent upon you to do what you could do, what only you could do. So I would say that um, to be a farmer, you'd have to be patient, because it doesn't pop up overnight, and you'd have to have faith, hoping for a good crop. And I would say that it takes patience and faith to be sowers of the seed of the Word. Again, guys, it can be discouraging, can't it? You have loved ones. You know, I've shared many, many times, but, you know, I I sowed the seeds of the Word of God. I shared the gospel with my father for decades, and there was no response, just resistance, no response. You know, I've shared the gospel with a number of my family members. I went to my parents' 50th anniversary, 50th wedding anniversary, and it was a surprise. So they said, Danny, you know, we're not going to tell uh, your mom and dad, so come, you know. And so I flew down. It was really an awkward thing because um, I, I, I get there, it kind of shows you some of the dynamics. <laughs> the family and I'm kind of behind the door and they walk into you know the where they live they have a they have pool and you know big room and everything and so they walk in and I said um, congratulations and my dad looked at me and said hi Jerry it's so good to see you and I said I'm Danny your son he goes, oh, Dan, oh, yes, I, yes, of course, I said yes, I know who you are. It was an awkward moment. My mom was hitting my dad, you know, that's your son, you know, that, what's wrong with you? You know, uh, but there was one of my cousins that was there, and um, he was so uh, dear to Tracy and I. When Tracy and I were dating, we used to take, that little guy, when he was just a baby, we would take him. We would go to the mall. We would go, you know, we would just watch him all the time, and and we kind of pretended like he was our little kid, you know, because we were in love, and one day we we're going to get married and have all sorts of kids, which all came true. <laughs> but um, we would take that little guy, and so I hadn't seen him for a long, long time. Though I had heard about him, and I had heard that he was uh, having a real identity crisis. He thought he was a woman. And so uh, the family, of course, ostracized him, you know, all of the family. They didn't want to have anything to do with them. And I think that really, you know, their approach was, what do we do with him? You know, some people, they just feel like, well, what do we do? Do we just act like everything's normal and everything? I love the fact that when you have Jesus, you can bring Jesus into the strangest situations, you know. And there I was with my cousin, I won't mention his name, but, and I'm talking to him, and I'm the only one there talking to him. What do you think we talked about? We talked about Jesus. I didn't talk to him about his confusion of, you know, his identity, his sex, and all these things, I talked about Jesus. Jesus and we can bring Jesus into a situation because people need hope that's what they need they need they need because so many of you are confused about so many issues of life and Jesus is the answer and if you've come to faith in Christ you know that Jesus is the answer and so we want to bring Jesus into the situation but sometimes it's frustrating you know we we share with excitement and 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 then it seems as if we're bearing no fruit, my grandmother my mother 's mom, clover clover steadman she uh, w- we got a call, and my mom said, "I think grandma's dying, Danny, if you want to see her, you need to come down we 're living in northern california, and so i i said well i 'll be right down, not right down, but you know I, so i I drove down th- to see my Mom and my grandmother, and and I, I had been praying the whole time, and I asked other brothers and sisters in the church to be praying. I said this might be the last time I could see my grandmother. Um, The family embraced Mormonism because her oldest son married a woman who was a Mormon, and so you know sometimes that's how things go. And so I was saying, I'm going to share the gospel. Please pray that she's responsive. So I go to the hospital. And I walk in, my mother was very resistant toward the gospel at that time, and um, I walked in, and I said, hi, Grandma, I've come down, I want to talk to you about Jesus, and she just was almost comatose, you know, I mean, there was no response, and I, you know, tried to just get her to talk, respond, no response at all, it was just very sad, my my hopes were very high, because I really felt like the Lord was saying, you know, this is a mission that is going to be successful, you know, my word will not return void. And so, I, my mom said, well, Danny, let's go out to lunch, and we'll come back, maybe she'll be doing better later, and so we went out to lunch, and, and I was really bummed out, I really was, I just, you know, I'm trying to have a conversation with my mother, but in between the things that I'm saying. I'm praying, and I'm really complaining to the Lord, and I'm saying, Lord, I really thought that you know, I came all this way, and 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 my, my grandmother can't even respond. She can't even hear. Her. Who knows what's going on? Well, we had lunch. We went back. We walked into the room. My grandmother was sitting there with her eyes wide open, and she looked at me. As soon as I walked into the room, she says, Danny, tell me about Jesus. My mother did a 180 and walked out of the room and I sat there and I shared the gospel with my grandmother and I said grandma it's so easy I, I think people stumble over the simplicity of it grandma do you believe in Jesus not the Jesus of Mormonism but the Jesus that I just described to you and she goes oh yes I believe I believe I want to believe in him You know, it's interesting, when I did her memorial service, um, and I stood there at Rose Hills in California doing the memorial service, and I was telling the family, you know, so Mormon and Catholic and everything else, you you know, you talk about uncomfortable people when you talk about having the opportunity to share the gospel of Jesus Christ with Grandma, and that she responded, because everyone wants to take credit. You know, no, 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 she was a Catholic. No, 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 she was a Mormon. (laughs) No, no, no. There are encouraging times. There are discouraging times. There are encouraging times. The point is, do what you can do. What can you do? Share the gospel. Sometimes we make it so complicated Sometimes we're we're so concerned about what people will think of us that we never venture out to share the gospel with people because, to be honest, and it sounds so awkward to even say it, but we know that it's true. We're more concerned about our own reputation than we are of their salvation. The Apostle Paul, you know it, he said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. And then he gave the reason why. He says, for it is the power of God to salvation. For everyone who believes. Isn't that wonderful? We have a message that's absolutely for everyone. No one's excluded from this message. Nobody. It doesn't matter what. What you're. How far gone you might be. Jesus. Can bring light. Into the darkest place, and he will transform lives. If you're truly in Christ, your life is going to be transformed. You're not going to continue in the same things. You're going to be changed. You're going to think differently. You're going to act differently. You're going to live differently. It says, For the Jew first, and also for the Greek. For in it, in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written in the quotation from Habakkuk the just shall live by faith. What a message! Why would any of us be ashamed of this? You know, to have a a gospel message that, that says, listen, if you believe, you can be saved. If you believe in Christ, you believe, and you explain, of course, what Jesus has done and why he did it. Well, Jesus goes on, verse 30, and he said, To what shall we liken the kingdom of God? Remember, he's giving... So he said, I want to explain something to you that's spiritual, and you cannot understand this. It's, It's beyond your scope of reasoning. So I'm using illustrations to help you get just a little bit of understanding. He says, Or with what parable shall we picture it? It is like a mustard seed, which is, when it is sown on the ground... Uh, is the smaller, is smaller than all the seeds of the earth. Now, if you want to research it, you'll find that there are smaller seeds on the earth than mustard seed. So this is not a contradiction, but from the Jewish perspective, I mean, as far as their understanding, this was the smallest seed that they would sow in their gardens, in their ground. So he says, is uh, a, 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 a smaller than all the seed of the earth. But when it is sown, it grows up and becomes greater than all the herbs and shoots out large branches so that the birds of the air may nest under its shade. And you go, wow. What meanest thou by these things? You know, I mean, wh- wh- what is this, Jesus? And some would say, well, wh- what is speaking of is the fact that the kingdom of God, it had a small beginning, a small start, but, but eventually it will grow in this, to this magnificent, uh, you know, large presence. Do you know, within Christianity, there are ma- many different theological perspectives. There are those who fall into the category, their belief system falls into the category of dominion theology, or kingdom now. They don't really use that kingdom now any longer, but it used to be kingdom now. Now it's uh, dominion theology. And so the thinking, you know, thumbnail explanation of it, their thinking is basically that the church is going to become so powerful on the earth, we are going to influence all aspects of life we're going to ask, uh, influence, uh, you know, the music and the arts and the political, you know, scene and, and uh, the movies and, you know, whatever. Every aspect of life, Christians are going to influence. And we are going to, the church is going to usher in the second coming of Christ so he can come and set up his kingdom. Well, I don't believe that. The reason I don't believe that is because we don't see that. We don't see the church growing in influence. We see it diminishing. I mean, we've watched it diminish uh, radically in two years. Uh, laws have been passed specifically against the church or the Christian voice in the past two years that most people are unaware of because of all the other madness that we've been dealing with. So it's kind of been you know shoved under the the door there, you know. I don't believe that's what it's saying. In fact, guys, when you look at the parable, now, let me, let me say, let me back up a moment. There, it was a small beginning. You know, Jesus, he comes upon the scene. He's baptized by, by John. It's just Jesus. There's no one else with him at his baptism. It's just Jesus, and he comes out of the water. The Spirit of God lights upon him. The voice of the Father speaks on his behalf. Jesus goes on from there, and apparently there were two disciples of John, Andrew and John, the beloved. They come up and they say, Where are you going? And he said, Remember what he said? Come and see. I like that about John's gospel. There's a few of those moments. Come and see. I'm not going to try to convince you of anything. Come and see. Remember when, you know, can anything good come out of Nazareth? Come and see. I, you know, just come and see. I, 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 how can I explain him to you? You know, just come and see. And so... They come. And then, you know, we see the the calling of the the disciples. We see the two brothers, James and John. They leave the father's boat, Zebedee, and and so on. Andrew and Peter, same thing. We see Matthew, the tax collector. So Jesus selects 12. We saw that just a few weeks ago in our Mark study. 12. But as we noted... uh, over the past few weeks, that there were many others that were with him as well. It wasn't just the 12. There were women. There were others that were there. I think that Lazarus was probably with them, don't you? Mary and Martha were probably with them at at some point in time, and they probably traveled with them. And Mary Magdalene, of course, she surely would have been there. I think that at different times, Jesus' own family might have been there, even though they didn't believe in him. And they, as we saw, what, two weeks ago... They thought he was out of his mind at one point. The point is, it was a small beginning. Then you get to the end of Jesus' ministry, public ministry or, or earthly ministry. None of those fit, but you know what I mean. On the day of Pentecost, Jesus has ascended into heaven. Jesus, well, it began with John the Baptist. John the Baptist spoke of the promise of the Father. Then Jesus talked about the promise of the Father tarry in Jerusalem until the promise of the Father comes upon you. How many are there? 120. So you go from 12 plus others to 120 in the upper room after three plus years of public ministry of Jesus, 120. They're waiting for the Spirit of God to come upon them with that dunamis power. Holy Spirit comes upon them and they began to speak in tongues and, and they're speaking in dialects that they did not learn, though there were people there from that spoke these different dialects, and they said, well, What is this that's happening? We hear them praising God in our own dialect. And so Peter stands up and says, This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. What does he do? The word of God. The word of God, the word of God. The word. Listen, don't be involved in anything if they cannot back it up with the word of God. I mean, without twisting the word of God to say something that it's not saying. What was the response? 3,000 people came to faith in Christ. Wow. You go through the book of Acts, and we see this constant growth. The, the church is growing as, as uh, the apostles are, you know, the persecution breaks out and people are beginning to go other places, you know, uh, the gospel is being spread. And we know that when you get to the book of Revelation, that there will be people from all nations who will stand before the Lord and, and worship him. It's going to be glorious. So yes, little to big. But I don't think that's what Jesus was speaking of here. And the reason I don't is because Small seed becomes big tree. Or small seed becomes a tree big enough that the birds of the air can nest under its shade. You say, well, maybe, maybe little birds. I've seen little dinky birds like that. Maybe little birds could, could, you know. But Matthew tells us, he says, that the birds of the air come and nest in its branches. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Now, the parable's starting to break down. Well, if you're paying attention, it broke down as soon as we had the illustration of birds. If the blueprint for understanding the parables, let me remind you the parable of the sower. The sower sows the word. In verse 4, the birds of the air came and devoured it. Devoured what? The seed, the word. In verse 15, as Jesus is explaining the, the, the parable, he says, when they hear, Satan comes. So Satan Satan is, is symbolically seen as the birds in the parable. But the explanation says, well, no, it's Satan and probably his minions. Satan comes immediately and takes away the word that was sown in their hearts. And again, just to remind you, I've already mentioned it. Jesus says, do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? So Jesus said, I want you to understand this. The birds spoke symbolically of Satan stealing the word, not of people hearing and receiving the gospel. I suggest to you that in this parable, the birds nesting in the branches or under The shade. I don't think that was a good thing. I don't think it's speaking of converts coming to faith in Christ. I think it's speaking of the opposition that Jesus was saying, Listen, there's going to be growth, but there will be opposition. There always was opposition with Jesus. Everywhere he went, there was opposition. Every time he spoke, he had opposition. You know, the scribes, the Pharisees, the religious leaders are always coming against Jesus all the time. You go into the book of Acts, you see the apostles. Did Paul face opposition? Everywhere he went, that guy faced opposition. I mean, even when it looked like things were going good for him, then opposition would rise up, and he'd be chased from this city to that city to the next city, and those people would come, and they wanted to kill him, and everywhere he went, opposition, opposition, opposition. John the Beloved, did he face opposition? Well, when he was exiled to the island of Patmos, that was opposition. And it was also Romans 8.28. God used it for his good. But this was not a vacation. This wasn't Hawaii, you know. This was opposition. When Peter was crucified upside down, was that opposition? Yes. Jesus said, remember, we looked at this, in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus said, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is a gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Because narrow is a gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Would you do me a favor, please? We're not going to stay there, but would you just turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 13? And this will be homework for you. Luke chapter 13, and I want to draw your attention. This is Luke's version of what we're we're studying in Mark. Do you see the, the parable of the mustard seed? So there's that parable. And then there's the parable of the leaven. So we don't have that parable in Mark's gospel. But what follows, look at verse 24. Strive to enter through the narrow gate. So the, the scripture that I just read from from Matthew chapter seven, we have that. Seek to enter and will not be able. When well, once the master of the house comes, dropping down a little bit. I mean, as he's describing this, look at verse 27. But he will say, I tell you, I do not know you. Where are you from? Depart from me. All you who work you workers of iniquity. Therefore there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth when we see. Uh, let's see, when you see Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God and you yourself thrust out. See guys, I I think that the parable is, is not speaking of a positive thing, of a great thing. It's speaking of the opposition that's going to come. I think that there has always been and there always will be as long as the church is on the earth, there will always be those who are Christians by name only. And this is why we need to take seriously our faith in Christ. You don't want to play with this. You don't want to be one of those foolish people, and I'm sorry if I'm insulting you by saying foolish people, but it really is foolish to say, I know that I'm saved because I was baptized as an infant or as a teenager or whatever age, insert age, or I was confirmed at, the, at 12 or whatever it was, or I belong to this church, or that church, or I'm a part of this denomination, or my mother was a godly woman, or my father was a you know wonderful Christian man. None of those things, none of those things make us right with the Lord. Those things might help us to come to faith in the Lord, but none of those things save us. You know, guys, we see, worship team, come on up, guys. We see, in quite a few of the parables remember the parable of the wheat and the tare so the farmer he plants his wheat you know probably quality wheat and then his enemy comes and what does he do he sows tares in the field so when the wheat comes up so the tares came up and the tares are starting to choke out the wheat and so the the, the hired hands or whatever said well should we go and and, and rip out the you know the, the tares and he says no 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 lest you rip out some of the weed as well. And whenever I think of that parable, I think of how there are always people, side note, really, but side note, always people in any given church, any church that takes the Word of God seriously, and they have to conduct biblical discipline. Biblical discipline is always the last resort. You might know what I'm referring to. There's a number of references in the Scripture but there's a time when the church needs to deal with their own. We don't want the outside to deal with us, we want to deal with our own. Remember the the man, I always mention him because it was so outlandish. I mean it just kind of you kind of go, yuck. But the man in Corinth who had a he had a relationship, apparently, a sexual relationship or love relationship with his father's wife. So you just that's just so weird. It's like, wow so weird and yet the church was accepting this you know maybe the father wasn't a believer and maybe his wife had come said that she had come to faith in christ i again i'm just speculating because the scripture doesn't tell us and maybe the guy who you know the son who's having a relationship with his stepmom or whatever you know they're saying, well, you guys are believers, so, you know, all things are good in Christ. It's okay. And remember the apostle Paul said, this is not good. I've already judged the man. Let me tell you what you need to do. And he kind of laid down the law and he said, you need to dismiss this fellow. You need to hand him over to Satan for the destruction of the flesh. So that he might be saved in the end. And so they did. They church discipline and they had the fellow removed and, and then you get to 2 Corinthians and apparently the fellow had repented and so then Paul was saying guys enough is enough I mean restore him. That's always a goal when within the Christian community. A fallen brother or sister, restoration is always the goal. Sometimes it doesn't come to restoration because the person who's in error who's who's sinning, doesn't want to repent and continue. They want to go someplace else, you know. But I'll tell you, whenever something like that happens, it's inevitable that you have people in the church, they don't understand what's going on, and neither is it, would it be appropriate for the church to say, let me tell you what this person was doing. Bum, 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 bum. And they say, why did you ask him to leave? How could you do that? You, 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 you. And you see the wheat, being stumbled, being uprooted. And it's a sad thing. But we have the parable of the leaven. And leaven, you say, well, what's wrong with leaven? You know, I like to bake, you know. And, well, leaven, not always in the Bible, but many times in the Bible, it is symbolic of evil. It's symbolic of sin. And then the last example is the parable of the dragnet. Remember, you throw, cast the net in, catches all these fish, Jesus says that they were good and bad. You say, okay, well, maybe, maybe he doesn't like bass, you know. No, no, no. He goes on and he says this, and wicked and just. They're all caught in the same net. The church has always had its birds. Judas was a bird. Listen, no one expected Judas. Guys, again, our whole, you know, we, we watch these movies, these Christian movies, and, and you know, he's always a sinister, he's always in the shadows, you know. And you wonder, you know, Jesus, you know, you know, you knew all things. How could you not know that this guy was going to deceive you, you know? Just look at him, you know. He's got a mustache like this. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but there was obviously nothing about Judas. Now, Jesus knew who he was. But... None of the others did. When Jesus talked about one of you is going to betray me, and what did they say? Did they say, is it him? We suspected him. He's suspicious, you know. No, they said, is it I? See, they didn't even trust themselves. Am I the one that's going to do that to you, Lord? Or Ananias and Sapphira. They were in the church. But they wanted the praise of men. Rather than to just please the Lord, do you remember that whole story? Well, what a strange thing it was. And, and Peter explained to him. He said, "The land you had, it was your land. Yeah. And the proceeds that you got from the sale of the land, it was your it was your money. Yeah. Well, why would you lie to the Holy Spirit? You didn't have to give anything, but to lie and say we sold it for such and such, and here it all is." <laughs> Or how about Simon the sorcerer? I want to be a part of the church. Oh, can I buy simony? E., can I buy the spirit of God? Sounds like the the Holy Laughter Group. It sounds like the Toronto Blessing Group. It sounds like the Brownsville Group. Can I buy this thing? This thing could this thing could be worth a lot of dough. You don't have to be one one of what? One of the birds? Believe, receive, heed, grow, be fruitful to the Lord. And see how the Lord adds to your life and to your understanding. Fall in love with the Word of God. We're not saved by the Word of God. We don't worship the Word of God. We worship the author of the Word of God. I, When Tracy and I were dating... She was gone for a month she was traveling in Europe I would read her love letters her cards that she gave me I would read them over and over and over again You say wow you're weird no I was in love with the author So the letters were precious to me I'm in love with the author so his letters are precious to me. Let's not wait to fall in love with Jesus. Let's fall head over heels for him now. So when we see him, it's you know we're, it's just a homecoming. It's not a, let's get to know one another. <laughs> but it's we know one another. Would you stand with me? Father, I pray... For my brothers and sisters, I pray for those who might be watching, or maybe they're here and they're, they're seeking. Lord, we pray that they would seek to follow you. Pray that they would open up a Bible and say, be honest and say, Lord, I don't know about this book, but I'm going to read it. And maybe to even pray prayers like, Lord, if you're real, I pray that you would give me something from this book. Speak to me in some way from this book. And that they would just put you to the test. And I think that they would be amazed to see what you will do on their behalf. We know, Lord, you don't do that for us all the time as we grow and mature. You don't do such things. You know, you you want us to, <laughs> to be faithful, to, to do our own diligence. But Lord, you don't want to have, you don't want any to perish but all to come to repentance and I know many times it seems like you bend backwards to reveal yourself. And if we don't see you, many times it's only because we're so dull-hearted that we refuse to see you. So help us. And help us. Give us opportunity to share the gospel this week and to leave the growth and the fruit up to you. In Jesus' name. Thank you.